Welcome to High on Healthy, energized by A6 Wellness. Each week, you will learn of the benefits of proper nutrition, supplementation, and personal development to live a healthy and abundant life. Now, here's your personal advocate for living a healthy and active lifestyle, Audrey Kerger. Thank you for joining me today on High on Healthy, energized by A6 Wellness. I'm your hostess, Audrey Kerger, and my guest today is Dr. David Behrman. In our previous conversation with Dr. Behrman, we spoke about where he studied, where he has worked in his esteemed positions throughout the government, as well as what piqued his interest about cannabis sativa and its healing powers. We also mentioned that he recently spoke at the MJ for MDs conference in Colorado, and he highlighted why cannabis helped people suffering with PTSD. And now we will continue our discussion with Dr. David Behrman. You know, I found your name because of the fact that you spoke at the MJ for MDs conference in 2016 in Colorado. And I know that you highlighted benefits of cannabis with people suffering from PTSD. Can you give a short overview on that presentation? Sure. Uh, Actually, the I was supposed to do a PTSD one, but uh, for the purposes of, of uh, time, that didn't uh, make the final agenda. But I have presented on PTSD at other conferences uh, as well, and uh, I, uh, I think I'm going to be delivering a talk on that topic uh, down in Australia, uh, at the, which has their annual protestival uh, called uh, they call the Mardi Gras. Uh, on the first weekend in May. And we know that PTSD responds to uh, cannabis. Uh, we've known that for a long, long time. We saw a lot of cannabis use for people that were in Vietnam. Uh, and what I think happens in, in PTSD is that it is a survival mechanism. And once you've been exposed to a traumatic event, you increase the amount of something called dopamine transporter in the brain. Why is that important? That's important because it ties up dopamine. Why is dopamine important? Dopamine is important because it depolarizes neurons. When the neuron is depolarized, it's harder for it to be stimulated. Who cares? Well, the reason that we should care is is that the faster the neural impulses move, the more influence the midbrain, the old reptilian brain, the most uh, primitive part of our brain, has on our thinking. And it's important in terms of uh, fight or flight. It's important in terms of uh, uh, procreation. Uh, it sees things in terms of black and white life and death. It's really there, in, in a sense, uh, uh, as an archaic reminder uh, that we had to move pretty fast to uh, get away from the mastodons and the saber-toothed tigers and the like thousands and thousands of years ago. So it probably was more useful 10,000 years ago than it is now because what it uh, did was it caused you to act first and think later. And so people who have post-traumatic stress disorder have difficulty with impulse control and with anger management. When you take cannabis, it acts to stimulate the endocannabinoid system. The endocannabinoid system 
operates uh, through a number of mechanisms, but one of the most important and most uh, scientifically reported is something called retrograde inhibition. And in layman's terms, that means uh, it slows down the speed of neurotransmission. Uh, the uh, cannabinoids are in what's called the postsynaptic neuron. They come back retrograde to the presynaptic neuron, and they uh, compete with dopamine for the dopamine binding sites and the dopamine transporter, uh, which tends to increase the depolarization of the cell and make it take longer for the next neural impulse coming along to stimulate that cell. So you have fewer, slower-moving neural impulses. And then what happens is, is that the frontal lobes, the cerebral cortex, the more civilized, the more developed, the more advanced part of the brain can weigh in and kind of uh, rein in uh, the midbrain and that, hey, wait a minute, there's no more saber-toothed tigers around, uh, you're not in danger, take a deep breath, uh, everything's going to be okay. And this is what uh, people with PTSD, D, and I mean, doesn't necessarily have to be an ex-military uh, person. Could be somebody that was raped. Could be somebody that was uh, in a hurricane or whatnot. There's a whole host of traumatic events that can cause the body to uh, increase the amount of, of dopamine transporter. And since we're talking about PTSD and cannabis, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention the research of Dr. Susan Sicily. Uh, who uh, was in Arizona, and while she was there, she got actually amazingly the approval of the federal government, one of the rare uh, scientists that uh, did get such approval, and then she was blocked by a member of the Arizona State Senate uh, who threatened the University of Arizona that if they allowed Dr. Sicily to continue with her research, uh, they would cut off some of their funding. And so Dr. Sicily is now doing her research uh, in Colorado, and a lot of us are very excited about what she is uh, likely to find, and the reason we think she's likely to find that cannabis is useful in PTSD is, number one, we already know that to be the case because it's being used in Israel, and people in Israel have every reason to have PTSD because there's constantly the threat of uh, being attacked uh, from all sides. Uh, and they have uh, uh, one of their, the guy who was the uh, assistant director of, of the PTSD cannabis program in uh, Israel uh, spoke at patients out of time in Tucson a couple of years ago and uh, discussed the benefits that uh, uh, cannabis had for people with PTSD in, uh, in Israel. And many uh, cannabinoid medicine specialists have a lot of PTSD patients, and we found that it's been very useful. It deals with depression, deals with anxiety, assists them with their sleep. And I think one of the most important things about cannabis is uh, its safety profile. It has very few side effects. In fact, in 1988, after a two-year rescheduling hearing, uh, the DEA's chief administrative law judge not only recommended rescheduling cannabis, but in his finding of fact, he said it was one of the safest therapeutic agents known to man. So, you know, you asked about some of the things that I find annoying or disturbing or upsetting, and the fact that we are not uh, treating our veterans properly is extraordinarily uh, disturbing. 
serving. The idea that uh, for years and years, uh, if you were a veteran and used cannabis, uh, you would be thrown out of the uh, VA's pain program is unconscionable. I mean, here we send our men and women into a theater for where they could be killed, where their friends can be killed, where they could have somebody's brain splattered all over them, and they you know, it's not uncommon and, and uh, not surprising that they uh, develop PTSD, and we have something that we know is useful in treating the symptoms of PTSD, and not only do we not provide it to them, but we punish them when they find that uh, it's useful. That is just wrong. Now, there are a lot of veterans who are trying to encourage the VA to accept uh, the use of cannabis for treating PTSD, and they have been grudgingly moving forward, and I am excited about the possibility uh, that we might be able to uh, do a, a study down at the uh, Veterans Center in Long Beach. Uh, David Zink is a veteran, veteran who has been talking to the head of continuing medical education and the head pharmacist down there, uh, and uh, he told me that the pharmacist is calling together uh, some of the leadership at that hospital to discuss uh, what they're going to do now that Prop 64 has passed in California. So, you know, everything moves kind of slowly, but it does look as though we're moving uh, in the proper direction. And just another uh, potentially positive thing is that there's a relatively conservative um, legislator in the House of Representatives from Orange County named Dana Rohrabacher. And one of the interesting things is that some of the most conservative members of Congress are some of the biggest supporters uh, of the medicinal use of cannabis. And Rohrabacher certainly falls in that uh, category. Uh, he was speaking at uh, a conference in Long Beach called uh, the State of Marijuana. And in his presentation, he suggested that uh, Donald Trump, uh, he referred to him as Donald, so I assume that he knows him reasonably well, uh, would likely to come out in favor of medicinal cannabis because Mr. Trump had uh, used topical application of tincture of cannabis uh, to muscle spasm in one of his shoulders and had had a beneficial result. How Representative Rohrbacher was aware of that, uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't paying close attention to his, uh, to his presentation because I was tabling at the conference. Uh, but he did say that, and I have heard Rohrbacher speak before, and he is uh, a very enthusiastic proponent of the medicinal use of uh, cannabis. And, in fact, uh, the most conservative members of Congress recognize uh, that states' rights gives the states, not the federal government, the power to regulate the practice of medicine. And if you take a look at the dissenting opinions in a case called Gonzalez versus Raich, Raich is a patient up in Oakland who has a meningioma. Meningiomas are a tumor of the uh, lining of the brain, and they're a space-occupying mass, and uh, cannabis slows down its growth. She sued the government to get an injunction against them to enjoin them from arresting arresting her for growing and using marijuana, and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed with her. So the Bush administration appealed uh, the decision to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they reversed the Ninth Circuit in a six-to-three decision, with the three dissenting justices being three of the four most conservative justices on the court. Sandra Day O'Connor, joined by the late uh, Chief Justice Rehnquist, 
and uh, current uh, sitting Associate Justice Clarence Thomas, and they dissented on states' rights grounds. They said the Ninth and Tenth Amendments of the Constitution and the 1925 case Linder versus the United States, which has never been uh, overturned, uh, give the states, recognize that the states have the constitutional authority to regulate the practice of medicine, not the federal government. The federal government uses a fiction. Uh, the 1942 case called Wickard versus Filburn, which had to do with price supports for wheat, and it's been frequently attacked by conservatives as being overly broad and giving too much power to the federal government. Uh, but in this case, you had Anton Scalia, who was one of the harshest critics, uh, somehow being a hypocrite uh, and uh, being inconsistent with what he said he believed. On the other hand, I urge your uh, listeners to read the dissents by uh, O'Connor and Thomas uh, regarding the rights of the states to regulate uh, the practice of medicine. And so it would take uh, a real reversal on the part of the Supreme Court to change uh, that law, uh, because the more conservative that the justices are in a true sense of a conservative reading of the Constitution, the more they're likely to favor states' rights and the less likely they are to want to increase the power of, uh, uh, of the federal government. So moving parts here in terms of what's going on uh, with medicinal cannabis and the question of where the federal government is going to go uh, is an open question. Are we going to have people, conservatives like Dana Rohrbacher prevail, or are we going to have uninformed people like uh, Attorney General Sessions prevail? I don't know the answer to that question. I hope that uh, the Congress will listen to the American people. We have 85% of the American people who support the uh, use of cannabis when recommended uh, by a physician uh, for medical purposes, and I think we have about 53 or 54% of the American public uh, that believe that the recreational use of cannabis uh, should be legalized. And that is consistent with the findings of every major commission from a Western country. Uh, the 1968 uh, Wooden Commission uh, in England, uh, the 1972 uh, Nixon Marijuana Commission, the 1973 Ladane Commission in Canada, uh, all of these uh, commissions uh, recommended legalizing small amounts of cannabis for recreational use. That's how safe uh, they they uh, they thought it was. So, I mean, the, the uh, amount of misinformation that's coming out of the federal government is extraordinarily disturbing because it undercuts the confidence in the government. And we're seeing that happen on other fronts here with the uh, failed presidency of uh, President Trump. We need to take a short break, but when we come back, we will continue our discussion with Dr. David Behrman, who is one of the most knowledgeable physicians in California regarding the medical use of cannabis. More when High Unhealthy returns in a minute. Awaken, adjust, and aspire to hear more High Unhealthy after this short rest break.
Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The smoke is rising and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio, the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store's sales, trends, and competition, Better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends? Identify and compare your top products and categories and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Let's get back to getting high on healthy, energized by A6 Wellness, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to High Unhealthy. We are chatting with Dr. David Behrman, who is the author of Drugs Are Not the Devil's Tools and Demons, Discrimination, and Dollars, A Brief History of the Origins of American Drug Policy. We were just discussing with Dr. Behrman the case for the purpose of marijuana legalization and how it could truly impact the world. I agree that it is definitely something that, you know, on one hand, we've got the FDA, the federal government saying that things 
are supposed to be illegal. And then on the other side, we have the we have also have the DEA and and then on the other side, we have doctors and studies and science all saying that this is something that we need. And it's very, very confusing to so many people. I know that every day when I'm dealing with new clients, you know, the one of the most important questions I get asked is, well, are, is what we're doing illegal? And, you know, I happen to work in the hemp oil industry um, for my full-time job. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to kind of ask you a little bit on that. What do you sure. believe about this, you know, CBD hemp oil products that are being marketed? Um, I personally have seen some amazing anecdotal testimonies, like life altering, changing, like tears of joy. We couldn't even believe this type of thing was possible. Um, you know, and this is going on all over the country. So I was wondering within your studies and your practice, if you're still seeing people, have you ever prescribed this type of thing for people um, with this low THC content still creating the entourage effect, but yet still being federally legal because we're playing under that Ninth Circuit Court umbrella case from 2004? Well, let's talk about what's legal and what's not legal. Is we we this is uh, stranger and stranger. I mean, this is sort of like uh, Alice in Wonderland, which of course had to do with psychoactive drugs, you know. And she she talks about feeling stranger and stranger. Is in 2014 uh, the Congress uh, uh, voted for a amendment that budgeted no no money to enforce marijuana laws in states where medical marijuana was legal, and in fact. Apparently, the uh, regional attorney for Northern California didn't get the message. And just two or three months ago, uh, a case was thrown out of court against uh, probably the highest-profile dispensary in the United States, Harborside from Oakland. And uh, the federal judge said, there's no money that's allocated to bring this case. And it's clear that the federal government or the Congress doesn't want these laws enforced. And as soon as they allocate the money to enforce it, you can come back to me and uh, we'll, we'll take a look at this case again. So even though uh, it is technically illegal, it, there's no money to enforce uh, uh, the law. Now, getting back to uh, the constituents of the plant, this is a plant that's been around for 4,000 years. This is a plant that it took us until 1964 to characterize the chemical structure of THC. THC is just one uh, of the 80 to 100 cannabinoids that are in the plant. And you also have over 125 terpenes, uh, the compounds that give the plant its unique odor, and many of them also have therapeutic value. So one of the reasons that doctors started to shy away from plant-based medicine in the 1920s was because of the complexity. Uh, it was a lot easier to take a look at a single um, molecule uh, uh, medicine than to take a look at a medicine that has 512 uh, uh, different constituents to it. Because the federal government has been effective not only in uh, slowing down research in the United States, but also uh, internationally, we don't know enough about the benefits of each of the individual constituents, nor do we know what the appropriate uh, uh, combination of ingredients is. 
So, you know, if you listen to people on all sides, they say more research needs to be done, yet the federal government stands in the way of research. In fact, in 2009, the American Medical Association House of Delegates uh, recommended to the government that they reschedule cannabis to Schedule II, which is kind of absurd in itself since the most euphorogenic constituent of the plant, THC, uh, is a Schedule three drug. So if we use that as uh, some kind of milestone, cannabis should, at the worst, or the best, or whatever you want to say, be uh, a Schedule three drug, not a Schedule two drug, and then we could start doing some research. I uh, was just talking with another physician uh, who uh, works for uh, a residential care facility about cancer, and you know, we were saying, we don't know very much about, you know, what's the right strain to use? How much CBD should you use? How much THC should you use? I, last night, was just looking up on uh, autism, because I, I really had resisted for a while treating kids, and then I just, it broke my heart when I would hear these pa- parents talk about the, the difficulties uh, that uh, go along with having a child who's autistic, and some of them had tried cannabis, or they'd heard that cannabis was useful, and uh, there's all kinds of different responses. Uh, I was talking to this, this uh, parent yesterday, and he said, we gave our child 50 milligrams of CBD, but it had some THC in it, and we found that that worked very well. We found that it worked better than than just uh, THC or than a high THC thing. And when you talk about uh, the use of uh, cannabis uh, to treat cancer, we really don't know what the ratios are there. So we're going to pull together a small group of us and talk informally with uh, a, a couple of doctors, a couple of growers, uh, a pharmacist, and try to figure out, uh, at least for ourselves, what the data shows in terms of uh, the ratios of THC to CBD. But, of course, those aren't the only anti-cancer constituents of the plant. Uh, CBG is a, is a uh, one of the constituents of the plant that is useful. I was talking to somebody else uh, in regards to THCV possibly being useful for treating colon cancer. So the question that you asked is a great question. We're all looking for the answer to that question, and I hope that either I or somebody else within the next few years can give you a straight answer. I mean, we need to ramp up the research that we're doing. I implore uh, some of the entrepreneurs that are getting into the uh, cannabis business to look upon this more as science than as business and to reinvest some of the large profits that they're making into research being done by uh, legitimate researchers. So the short answer is, I can't give you a straight answer because there's not enough data out there or the data that we have is too disorganized and hasn't been looked at closely. So not only is your guess as good as mine, but your guess is probably better than mine. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And, you know, I wish there was a place, honestly, that was online where actual people like me and the other people around, we could just go sign up to list out all the things we're suffering with, all of our ailments, and then say we are willing to be the lab rat. Now we need to take a short break, but when we return, more with Dr. David Behrman. More when High Unhealthy returns in just a moment. 
awaken, adjust, and aspire to hear more High on Healthy after this short rest break. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber Vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Maui Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Let's get back to getting high on healthy, energized by A6 Wellness, only on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you for joining us today on High Unhealthy. We are here today with Dr. David Behrman, one of the most knowledgeable physicians in California regarding medical use of cannabis. This uh-huh. is something that has affected my family. My son was, you know, vaccinated. And uh-huh. the day that oh, he my. was vaccinated, literally mm-hmm. less than 24 hours later, he was covered from head to toe in a rash. I was told he uh-huh. got chicken pox, but they injected him four times. The least amount of... um and things and those shots, um, whatever you want to call them, you know, I don't know if it's really what they say it is, but they said he got chicken pox from that there. And I have seen my son and his violent behaviors go haywire until I found cannabis. Now at three years old, I didn't want my son to be intoxicated. So go, even though medical marijuana state, I didn't want that. So I went online and I found hemp oil extract and I've been Uh using that. And I know he's not getting intoxicated because I used it on myself for two weeks to make sure there was no intoxication or psychotropic effect. And, you know, the things that I've seen in my son in almost three years, the change that he has made, I wish I could have put him in a study because he was a vicious biter. He was biting people. Well, let me, let me uh, interrupt you for just a second here. Two days ago, I got a call from some uh, uh, fellows with a company in Houston who really had the right attitude. They, they want to see their uh, products uh, produced uh, in the ghetto uh, as an uh, opportunity for uh, jobs for low-income people. 
uh, and they were talking about uh, doing studies, and I think that you are going to uh, uh, start start seeing uh, these kinds of things happening uh, with uh, physicians. Uh, our organization that I'm the executive vice president of, the American Academy of Cannabinoid Medicine, uh, this is something that I'm going to put on our next agenda after having this discussion with these uh, uh, fellows in, in Houston. And, uh, you know, I think uh, if you take a look at Dr. Sicily's study in Colorado, uh, that is being uh, privately funded, not being governmentally funded. Uh, and we're going to have more and more of, uh, of these kinds of, of studies. Uh, I'm going down to Australia, uh, as I mentioned, uh, beginning of May, and one of the things that I'm going to uh, urge them to do is to do some research not only in regards to cancer, but in regards to autism and other things in autism spectrum disorder. I advised them to do the same thing when I was down there two years ago, but for some reason in Australia and the same thing in New Zealand, they want to uh, reinvent the wheel. They want to take a look at cannabis for nausea, cannabis for appetites, uh, uh, maybe cannabis for pain. Uh, and I said, look, we, we've already got plenty of studies on that. Uh, I'd like to see some studies on PTSD, some studies on attention deficit disorder. Now, we have a really good researcher here in California at UC Irvine named Daniel Piamelli. And Piamelli and also Ethan Russo, and Dr. Russo is a neurologist. He was the North American medical consultant for GW Pharmaceuticals for more than a decade. Uh, he is, I think, the physician who is the most knowledgeable physician about medicinal cannabis in the United States. Piamelli is one of the most knowledgeable researchers. Both of them talk about something called an endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome, yep, by which they too. mean... Hmm? Mm-hmm. I've heard yeah, about by which that, they yeah. mean, yeah, the patient has a, a less uh, a 2-AG, less anandamide, maybe less dopamine, maybe more dopamine transporter, uh, and there's a whole constellation of uh, conditions that are associated with that. And some people have some of those conditions, some people have all of them. They can have you know poor impulse control, they can have obsessive compulsive disorder, they can have post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, they can have social anxiety, and when you give the person an additional amount of cannabinoids, uh, it partially, and in some cases completely, deals with uh, the symptoms that the person is having as a result of having this endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. Well, that's fantastic, and I look forward to seeing these studies. And like I said, people who are out there, you know, entrepreneurs or scientists, I really feel like almost every single United States college and maybe colleges worldwide should be having a place where just a normal person, any person in that vicinity of that college can go sign up to be someone who is going to use these because we do understand the side effects happen to be so small and really see what this is going to do in a real world situation because my real world has definitely been changed 180 degrees and um, so what I want to ask and this will be our final question for today is when treating patients where you where have you seen the most success when most people really don't want the psychotropic effects they want to be able to go on their daily life and not feel you know that buzz or that high as a lot of people call it right 
Well, first off, an awful lot of medical conditions benefit from relatively low doses of THC, by which I mean about two and a half to five milligrams uh, orally or respiratorily. Uh, if it's orally, it would be about three times a day. If it's on the respiratory route, maybe four or five times a day because, you know, the length of action is shorter by the respiratory route uh, than it is by the uh, uh, by the oral route. Uh, so... Uh, I uh, am one of the larger prescribers of dronabinol, of THC, and I found that very few people complained at two and a half milligrams and almost nobody at five. You begin to have complaints at 10 milligrams uh, and then uh, more noticeable at 15. So what you can do if you have to go up to those levels, uh, which you do with pain, is the CBD tends to partially block uh, the euphoria that is caused by THC. Uh, it fits into the CB1 receptor, sort of like if we were thinking of OJ's glove, it maybe fits into the little finger so that the THC can't fit into the whole glove, and that's why you have a decrease of about a third of the euphoric properties of THC from CBD. So. If you have a person who has pain and requires a higher dose of THC, if they take cannabis that, say, has 15 milligrams of THC and 15 milligrams of CBD, they will get the analgesic property of the THC without having the euphoria. Now, I have some patients who come in and report to me they never get high, they don't want to get high, and uh, they get the therapeutic effect. I have other people that say, I do get a little bit high, and so I don't take the cannabis until after I come home from work. You know, I'll have some uh, you know, right after I get home. Maybe I'll have some at supper time. Maybe I'll have some at bedtime. So you know, people are not stupid, and people understand what the side effects are. They understand how to avoid those side effects. And you know, part of the problem is that you have kids, 14 or 15 year old kids who have attention deficit disorder or who grew up in dysfunctional families and have post-traumatic stress disorder, and they're not talking to their doctor about this. They're not getting the information uh, in terms of what's the proper way to use this in order to have the therapeutic effect. Now, I understand that you know some uh, kids are trying to get the recreational effect, but I have found that most of the people that want to use cannabis therapeutically, what they're looking for is the maximum therapeutic result with the minimal uh, amount of side effects. And so when you give them advice on the, the use of CBD with THC, the use of THC at a low level, they generally follow it. And, you know, if you talk to any cannabinoid medicine specialists, they will tell you, start with a low dose and only slowly increase the dose that you're using. And we're learning more and more about the therapeutic benefits. We're learning more and more about the side effects. We're learning more and more about the many, many constituents of the plant and how to combine them in a way to maximize the therapeutic effect and minimize uh, the side effect. And you're only going to see 
more of this. And what we need to have happen is for the federal government to get out of the way. And frankly, even if they don't get out of the way, you're going to see pharmaceutical companies in Great Britain, in Spain, in Switzerland, in Australia, in New Zealand, in Japan, that are going to uh, recognize and already have recognized the economic benefit for them. And so they're going to want to do even more research than is currently going on. Well, that is all very exciting, and I really appreciate your time with us today. I hope that we can have you on again very soon, and we do have to wrap it up, but to continue this discussion, visit a6wellness.com, download episodes by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can also follow the show on social media by searching A6 Wellness. We cannot forget to give a tremendous thank you to our guest, Dr. David Behrman. It was wonderful chatting with you and learning so much. And lastly, thanks to my producer, George, for another great show. Until then, awaken, adjust, aspire, affirm, action, A6 Wellness. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.